And I was shown that um, uh, that Lucifer would return, that the UN and the Vatican were going to be completely behind it, again, under false pretenses. He's going to show up and say, I'm here to save the day, right? Uh, and, okay, fine, you know. Yeah, of go course, ahead, you can say whatever it. you want. But I've always hated censorship. It's the internet. Sometimes, you know, once they get you for your first love bite, well, it depends on how aware you are, right? Second of all, underneath Baghdad was a stargate that was created by the Anunnaki so that they could transfer from the Jupiter to the Earth. that, you know, some are, are good and some use their magic for good and to heal and to help, and others do use it for evil. And, you know, in some cases, you know, people really were... <laughs> this is too much sometimes. From the broken ruins of Babylon, this is from the broken ruins of Babylon. This is from the broken ruins of Babylon. Oh, 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 so sorry, everybody. It looked like we had some feedback there because I forgot to close the streaming page. Common mistake here on End of Days Radio. Might have... Uh, screwed up our opening but hey looks like we're started we're live um my internet must be a little crappy because i'm looking at my screen and i look extremely fuzzy right now which is not cool at all but we carry on once again i am your host daniel this is end of days radio broadcasting to you all the way from that shimmering emerald city right here in the heart of the Pacific Northwest. Today's date, it looks like it's November 6, 2022. It is a Sunday evening here in the Pacific Northwest. We just passed up Halloween. Uh, the guest tonight was actually supposed to be on my Halloween show, but um, had a little bit of a, a scheduling issue, and uh, we rescheduled for tonight. So we're a little bit late in that aspect, but we're still very close to Halloween and very close to Spooktober, so I hope you guys enjoyed our past two shows. 
the roundtable shows were a huge hit. Everybody had a great time. And here we are, back to the normal swing of things. Our guest tonight is very special. His name is Joshua Chairs. He's the founder of Phantom Detectives. He's a paranormal, paranormal investigator, writer, researcher, musician, and publicist. Chairs got interested in the supernatural at an early age while watching Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack. His interest in the supernatural peaked in 2022 when he had the opportunity, opportunity to investigate the General Wayne Inn in Mar- Marion Station, Pennsylvania. Chairs is a 2008 graduate of Westchester University and a future graduate student majoring in business administration. In 2014, he co-founded the Summerwind Restoration Society along with Wisconsin paranormal investigator Craig Nerig. Their goal was to use the original blueprints of the Summerwind Mansion to restore, rebuild, and relaunch Summerwind Mansion as a museum. With its haunted history, Summerwind is known to be the most haunted locations in Wisconsin. In August of 2020, Chairs founded the Phantom Detectives to help people who were going through paranormal experiences. Using the Paranormal Research Society blueprint, Chairs is hoping to build a team of renowned paranormal investigators and is dedicated to helping people that are going through these experiences. Chairs has investigated the Sanderson Museum, Selma Mansion, Mill of Anselma, White Chimneys, the General Wayne Inn, Fort Mifflin, Penny Penhurst, Smyrna Museum, and De Poali Battlefield, Gettysburg, Chad's Ford Historical Society, and many other locations. On May 24th, 2021, Joshua's future LLC company purchased the right to the late Art Bell's former Philly Director's News Program, Dark Matter News. All right. Now that is interesting indeed. So I invite everybody after we talk to our guests to stick around after the interview when we do our um, our news and wrap-up and uh, roundtabling portion of the show. It doesn't really have an official name. I apologize for that. Uh, and, of course, visit the website, endofdaysradio.com. There you can find a link to our Discord channel. Stop by and chat with us. You can also donate. You can donate through... Uh, paypal or you can use crypto you can donate bitcoin i very much appreciate your donations thank you to everybody that has donated you guys have definitely given helped give me some staying power so uh, your donations are definitely appreciated and hey that's enough chit chatter let's go ahead and talk to our guest joshua chairs i hope i'm pronouncing his name right let's see here hello daniel how are you today hey Joshua, I'm I'm doing great. Am I pronouncing your name properly? Yes, you are. It is uh, chairs uh, with a capital C H A I R and add the E S. Uh, basically, just sit in a chair and just add the E S. So I'm looking forward to any questions that come in from your end or your listeners' end. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's really exciting to have you on. Um, I I used to listen to the Dark Matter Radio Network and. I remember when that whole thing was going on and, you know, it was so tragic when Art Bell passed, really excited for you to, you know, get the rights to that name. Oh, absolutely. It's something very important. And Leo, uh, in May of 2021, he reached out and said, hey, you know, I no longer uh, want Dark Matter News. Would you be interested in buying it? So uh, we talked about a price and we discussed it and we acquired the rights to the name the logos, the trademark, we trademarked it in December of 2021, and we relaunched it as a paranormal news hub on all things UFOs, ghosts, cryptids, 
um, everything paranormal that goes in the field. So we, we, we bought it and rebranded it under the Phantom Detectives LLC membership. And we have a brand new website, darkmatternews.com. And we also, Leo Ashcraft has begun recording new paranormal news segments exactly like he did with our Art Bell. And eventually we're going to relaunch the Dark Matter digital network uh, when Tim Osmond gets radio came up and running. Uh, so that'll be uh, really awesome. All right. That is that is very big news. Um, the return of the Dark Matter radio network. It, it sounds like you're trying to get things up to full swing over there. Oh, absolutely. And I have actually, um, I just found out something really uh, cool. Uh, Vincent Pontius lives an hour from me, and he's actually the son of Art Bell. Um, he actually uh, basically lives like an hour from me. He's his oldest son. And he was born back in the 60s, a really nice guy. And uh, I've been talking to him a lot as well. So Vince is, uh, you know, looks a lot like Art and uh, has his love for the paranormal. So he's a very cool guy. And, you know, I know he uh, definitely has a lot of uh, knowledge of his father as well. That's a, that's exciting news as well. Uh, who would figure that Art Bell's actual son would be involved? That's that's awesome. I mean, talk about continuing the generations of what we what we're doing here. That's great news. Absolutely. And I know, um, basically, like, you know, having Dark Matter News is very important because those news segments were a big part of Art Bell's Midnight in the Desert in 2015. And when Leo left and was replaced by my former boss, Amy Martin, uh, she did a good job. But I don't think that she had the same kind of energy that Leo did. Um, Leo brought a certain uh, style and finesse to it that um, nobody else had. So hopefully we'll be able to get enough news segments recorded and we'll get the network back up and running and basically have live shows in the future. Definitely exciting for me personally. I, I'm a huge fan of Art Bell and somebody that was greatly inspired by him. So, the, you know, continuing that name and that legacy is definitely meaningful for me and a lot of my listeners out there. But um, let's talk about a little bit about more about you, Joshua. Sure. So um, do you mind just telling us a little bit about you know, your early days? I always like to kind of start with the childhood because, you know, that's kind of what begins to define us what did you grow up out there in the east yeah i've been um always on the east coast my entire life and i originally got my start in the paranormal watching a show called unsolved mysteries with robert stack everyone usually when they were kids watched that show it was one of the first shows that talked about the unexplained and i got to watch an episode when i was a four-year-old kid in 1988 called The Haunting of the General Wayne Inn in Marion Station, Pennsylvania. And the General Wayne Inn uh, dates back to 1705. It's an old coaching inn, and many people have reported have a lot of paranormal experiences there, from cars starting on their own, to Hessian soldiers spotted in the basement, to uh, various uh, other, uh, you know, basically dignitaries such as Marquis de Lafayette, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, also Ben Franklin, George Washington, um, also, you know, sort of mail there and stayed there. And so basically, I had the rare opportunity uh, to 14 years later in 2002 to investigate the General Wayne Inn when I was 17, 18 years old with a late parapsychologist by the name of Michael Ian Mayer. Uh, basically, she has since passed away. But in the basement area, I had started uh, using a digital camera and started recording uh, using a, uh, basically just a standard a disposable camera and there i caught in the basement area where a hessian soldier named wilhelm from the revolutionary war has been spotted 
I actually took three consecutive photos, and one of them has these really weird green and yellow streaks of light. It matches the eyewitness accounts of the people seeing this Hessian soldier in the Revolutionary War. Oh my God, that that would be pretty crazy. I mean, was it an apparition? Was it see through, or was it like? It was, uh, it was actually like we did, like a lot of people um, have actually seen that apparition in various parts of the inn on the steps. People have seen his head basically in the kitchen area. People have also seen the apparition in the basement. And where I called to his green and yellow streaks of light, it looked like to be a, par a partial body apparition. And I do know right around that time, the Hessian soldiers were actually, um, you know, there's actually an old, like in the basement area, there's actually an old tunnel that goes supposedly outside of New Jersey, where Colonel Raw was leading the Hessian soldiers in Washington, attacked the, uh, basically uh, attacked the Delaware when he wrote on, you know, a famous boat picture, and when he attacked the, the, the Hessian camp, um, you know, thus basically, um, you know, uh, you know, winning the battle, and basically, you know, there, so that, all that eyewitness account history and the, with the, with the partial apparitions that the old end is still very active today. I've heard that sometimes ghosts will just appear like as a head. I, I've heard about that happening. Like sometimes you'll see just a torso or you'll see just yeah. even feet or just a head. That's kind of strange how that happens. Oh, absolutely. Um, And it really depends on how they manifest themselves. Sometimes they like to show themselves, basically, uh, you know, to, to full body apparition to some people. Sometimes there might be certain smells or other sensations. Sometimes it might be, you know, from a voice or basically a dream. Spirits have different ways of communicating with the living um, based upon, like, how that person, um, you know, if they respect them or they don't respect them. Um, you know, every apparition is different. Do you think it might have something to do with energy? Like sometimes they're able to form themselves more and sometimes they're not really able to? Yes. The law of energy states that energy cannot be created nor destroyed, but move from one form to another. So if basically spirits can, you know, use like electromagnetic fields and basically manifest themselves and drain the batteries of paranormal equipment, they definitely, so the law of energy states that they can move and transfer forms that to me shows that yes, spirits can very much act on command and can move from you know in different forms and different styles. You know, sometimes with you know showing themselves via orbs, or sometimes showing themselves like, like you said as a foot or a, you know a different body part. So there's a, all you know sometimes there's like smoke and mist seen. So it really just depends on the location and the history of the location. How they you know um, are they intelligent? Are they residual, demonic, or poltergeist? Now this is a very spooky sort of field. How did you find your? How did you gain this strong passion towards this subject matter? I, um, you know, of course, watching unsolved mysteries, and of course, you know, basically studying. I started studying UFOs at an early age too, because I was really interested um, in a lot of, you know, paranormal paranormal researchers like Linda Moulton Howe. I've watched her since you know 1993 when she was on NBC, you know, filming a show called The Other Side. Um, I was also very much interested in, you know, basically, you know, flying saucers, you know, I used to basically, you know, read books about it in school and study it. So I've had a lifelong passion for this uh, ever since I was a child. And of course, you know, I used to love Ghostbusters when I was a kid, watched that like all the time. And, you know, so I think I just got more and more interested. And then when the ghost hunting shows started coming out around like 2004, you know, Ghost Hunters came out and then Ghost Adventures in 2008. 
after I graduated college in the paranormal state with Ryan Buell and you know Heather Taddy and Katrina Weidman. And then all these shows started coming out um, from what basically art started back in the 90s on Coast to Coast AM and Dreamland. So to me, like this field is constantly evolving and I have had a lifelong passion from, from day one and been doing this for, for quite a few years now. Do you get challenged often by skeptics that deny the existence of spirits or ghosts or other planes? Oh, absolutely. Especially having to deal with atheists and different, you know, saying that there's no such thing as life after death. And basically sometimes they'll try to say, prove me wrong. And then when I come back and show them like, you know, a picture of a thermal camera, uh, you know, hit or an EVP, they'll say, well, that's, you know, overactive imagination or there's nothing there. Or if you show them like an SLS camera, you know, against a solid wall and, you know, the uh, thing is mapping itself using the camera. They'll say, well, oh, that's something that's basically, you know, it's, it's the software doing that. It's not the it's, it's not a spirit trying to show themselves. So to me, it's always difficult to be able to prove, um, you know, life beyond death to people that don't have an open mind. In this field, you have to have an open mind to be able to uh, basically, uh, you know, do what we do. So basically, I work with open minded people that are kind of skeptics. Sometimes they're neutral, meaning like they don't fully believe the story, but they also um, are open to the idea of it, depending on if it happens to them. So I believe, um, you know, I consider myself a skeptic. And basically, over the last, you know, five years I've done this, um, I think I've been proven that there's a strong correlation that there is life after death. And basically, every, you know, um, spirit that we encounter has a story to tell. And the history of the location has a story to tell as well. So that being said, would you say that you have a strong belief in life after death? And since if you do, since you do, what would that look like? Like what do you have theories or personal beliefs on in regards to what happens? Are we judged? Are we supposed to go into the light? Do we do some of us float around any theories on the process? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, there's a new book um, that our psychic medium, he's actually a researcher on the team named Mark Antony. He's a psychic lawyer. He's a world-renowned uh, psychic medium, uh, Oxford-educated attorney. Um, he studied advanced mediumship, and also he helped uh, resolve a really hard, uh, cracked, a rare criminal case. He wrote a book called The Afterlife Frequency, and he discusses how the electromagnetic soul is like this, basically this ripple effect, and how Basically, it's like you throw a stone into the water and it starts dribbling down and it creates ripples and there's echoes of those ripples. That's exactly what spirits is. And since, uh, you know, um, water is like a conduit uh, for paranormal activity, I think the more that I've cons- consistently worked in this field and, you know, growing fan detectives from the ground up, I am starting to become less and less of a skeptic and more and more of a believer. And I believe that people from what they've seen about evidence so far, the first 13 investigations of fan detectives, more and more people are starting are starting to be proved. I'm starting to prove a lot of people are wrong in the field. Oh, okay. So you personally have felt a shift in your beliefs and a shift in the way that you see things through your own investigations. Absolutely. And what's amazing is every single place we go, um, Rick is our uh, basically our he's, he he runs his own UFO organization called Extraterrestrial Research Center. He's also been fully educated and certified through MUFON. Um, basically, he's our lead investigator and our tech manager 
and he does all the interviews, the audio interviews with the clients. Uh, he actually uh, basically brings a lot of his quantitative skills uh, to the talent pool. And of course, we have a psychic medium, Melissa Ferrazano, who also studies advanced mediumship and advanced development. And she also, um, we can use her readings to be able to use our equipment to validate what she's feeling or seeing. And basically, then once we have that, we can pair it with our equipment, and that gives us a strong correlation. Spirits, a lot of times, like when you're respectful and you're kind to them and you treat them with respect, and you, you're going to get a lot of assaults. And on every investigation we've had, we've always come up with at least one piece of evidence from either an EVP to a camera hit to um, one of our devices going off. Um, I think it just comes down to how you approach the uh, spirits. And like, for example, the Zach Baggins method of saying, hey, you did it to him, now do it to me, is I think the wrong way to do it um, because that can start, you know, you might get like scratches on your arms or your legs. Um, the best way to do it is say please and thank you. And you'll see that you'll get a lot of positive results when you respect, um, you know, and say thank you for letting us come in your home or your business. And you're, you'll, you'll get a lot of positive results. And also spirits, a lot of times pick and choose what kind of apparatuses they want to use. I've noticed on many of our investigations where we'll take certain apparatuses, they won't work at all, but then we take them to other locations and other rooms in these locations and they'll go off like crazy. So really, our spirits uh, basically uh, move the equipment and they transfer all the equipment from, uh, from place to place. So it's pretty amazing to see how all this stuff uh, has evolved from a digital camera and an old EMF meter to now all these various cameras and high-tech uh, gadgetry that the ghost hunting field has came a long way in 20 years. Yeah, that's um, that's fascinating. The fact that the equipment itself is always kind of improving. Um, earlier, however, you mentioned working with psychic mediums. I take it you have a strong belief in like a sixth sense or ESP or, you know, spiritual powers. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, um, I consider myself a semi-sensitive, like, you know, um, but Melissa, especially she has studied under Cindy Kaza from the Holzer Files. Uh, she is very gifted at picking up her reading. She has learned and soaked up all of Cindy's knowledge. And basically, she's the real deal. And um, her website is psychicmediumautumn.com. And basically, of course, we got the psychic lawyer team. So we use mediums because I believe mediums can add a lot to the investigations. Because basically, when you're seeing and feeling things, and you can you know, take pictures and you know, sweep, you know, get EMF sweeps near them, they might uh, the spirits might be somehow attached to them a lot easier than you know, uh, me or you. So I believe strongly that using psychic mediums on investigations should be highly encouraged if you have the right kind of medium. Like if you have like, um, you know, a medium that is really good in, you know, basically uh, different types of uh, communication. Like there's some that are really good at like feeling things and others are really good at seeing things. So there's also one called a clairaudient, which is like hearing, hearing spirits. There's also clairvoyant, which is seeing things. And there's also clairsemiate, which is sensing spirits. Yeah, the, this is all very fascinating. I I actually read uh, on your website that Melissa she she does full time homeschooling and she's a special needs parent. That's a uh, pretty cool. Wanted to yes. give a shout out to her for that. That's definitely something to be applauded. Oh, absolutely. She is really amazing and she's very patient. And I think she's done a great job every investigation. Like I give her no knowledge of any of the history of 
these locations, I'm kind of very much the team historian. I know everything that's about the backstory of every location we've been. And she is able to at least provide one thing from her readings that match the history of the location. So when you have a psychic medium like Melissa's caliber, and she's an advanced psychic medium and very gifted, um, you can really add a lot to your investigation. So she has really picked up on things that I could never explain, that I could never do myself or anybody that I've known in the field. And yet, it's just constantly, every time, it's more and more. She's picking up more and more from these places, which is really amazing. And it's my understanding you also record EVPs. Is that correct? Yes. We actually have a different version of EVPs. We like to call ours Phantom Time, because since we're called Phantom Detectives, we're detecting the paranormal in haunted locations worldwide. We like to use the Phantoms to come out and show themselves to us. So what we'll do is we'll normally start an EVP session in a circle or sit around, you know, basically like on a table or something like that. And what we'll do is we'll just basically hit the hit our audio recorders and then just start basically asking questions like, you know, uh, who is here? Are you male? Are you female? Um, you have a message for us and stuff like that. And then usually what we'll do is after going through phantom time, then we'll go back and, you know, basically upload our, our audio records and plug it into a USB drive on our computers. And then once we go uh, listen on USB drive, we just load up Audacity, which is a simple free audio program, truly wonderful. And then we just amplify everything and just start listening. And sometimes, um, you know, it's always important if you call for sneeze when doing EVPs to like, you know, say tag. So that way you can tag your audio recorder so you know not to listen to that, um, you know, piece of audio evidence. But when you really listen, sometimes you'll really pick up on some rare spirit voices. And every, almost every investigation, we've called at least one EVP. And a, a lot of them are quite amazing. They're right on our website, phantomdetectives.org under EVPs. And what type of, well, you, we were talking a little bit about the equipment earlier. Uh, what yes. type of equipment are you guys using? What, what are the main types? Of voice recorders? Or just any uh, any sort of equipment you use in out there in the field? Oh man, there's so much. We have in, among the three of us, we have over 100 pieces of equipment. Um, wow! Some of the main main things we have, we have the Phasm light, which is from Ghost Stop. It uh, it changes the lighting, like from like red to purple to violet. And usually, because we record all of our investigations on Second Team Entertainment, they have a TV show on Roku, Fire. Apple and Google Play, uh, 2ndteamentertainment.com. We also use the Melbeater, which is a standard, um, you know, picks up electromagnetic fields and also uh, picks up temperature. But our Melbeater is the upgraded version, which also includes the laser grid lights and the REM pod. It has its little um, lights on it, as well as, you know, we also have an SLS camera. We have an original digital dowsing SLS camera, like Bill Chapel built on Ghost Adventures. There's only about 20 in existence, and I got one of them from a friend of Dave Schrader's, which is really cool. A shout out to Dave. Um, and we also basically got, uh, you know, other things such as, you know, thermal cameras. We also got Ghost Boxes, PSB7, PSB11, the S-Box from Ghost Stop, which, uh, you know, backs up uh, our Ghost AM and FM sweeps. And a really cool thing is, um, a lot of times you'll pick up spirit voices on the radio station by using the AM and FM uh, dials forward or backwards. And 
you just have to know exactly what, what you're listening to. But a lot of times we hook it up to a portal box, which is a modified guitar amplifiers with pedal to clean up the spirit box. And then what we do is we hook up our psychic medium with a blind uh, blindfold and then we put uh, glasses on. And then what we do is we start letting her, um, basically it's called the Estes method. And the Estes method is used on kindred spirits, um, other ghost hunting shows. And our version is the more advanced version of, it's called the chairs Warner method. Instead of like, you know, blindfolding just our psychic medium and putting noise canceling headphones on her and hooking her up with a ghost box, we also add in, you know, a uh, basically a paralight, which is a modified K2 light. Um, and we also use a voice recorder. So if there's like, you know, any spirit voice that's talking or if they set off a piece of equipment, like we can, you know, use um, all of our equipment around her to be able to pick things up. And when she's picking things up, we also use the Ovulus 5. And the Ovulus is a really cool device. It uses the electromagnetic field to pick up words and responses that the spirits might be saying. And on our last investigation, the word 40, Melissa was picking up on the word 40, and it was a, and basically the Ovulus 5 also came up with the word 40. So when you can um, pair the Ovulus 5 with it, and we also use the Paranormal Puck 2 from Digital Dowsing, which uh, picks up different, uh, you know, uh, different humidity, barometric pressure, different energy things in the environment, like what the cold temperature is. Um, we also use other apparatuses such as REM pods. We also use uh, a gyroscope, which is like a rotating ghost style. It picks up words and responses um, using a light. It basically put your hand in the light and it'll light up a certain yes, no, maybe, kind of like a Ouija board, but a rotating Ouija board. Um, and also we also use other devices. So we have so many devices in our inventory, I can't even name them all. <laughs> Uh, you said you use a device like an Ouija board. Do you do yes. you use actual Ouija boards too? We try to stay away from those because we definitely feel it opens up, you know, people that are into the occult might, and it's very dangerous. But ours is a little different because it's called the Paranology Gyroscope, and the gyroscope was developed by Jerome Jones of Paranologies, and they're very hard to get, but if you can get one, they they work very well. And basically, if what it does is put your hand near a light. It'll start rotating like 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 counterclockwise and clockwise, and it'll light up like it'll spell out words. Um, basically, like it'll light up each word. And it's kind of it's just kind of like the same idea of a Ouija board, except it's all automatic. It does it by itself. Oh, that's cool. So that's what's really cool about it. And one of our other, you know, of course, we have those simple light up cat balls, like you know, those little um, basically balls that dogs and little uh, cats use. And funny thing is, some of those pieces of equipment work better than uh, some of our three or four hundred dollar pieces of equipment. So it's uh, all based upon like if you have a child spirit, they might be more interested in like, you know, a little light up, um, you know, basically cat ball versus a three hundred dollar gyroscope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you have you gotten some pretty good results with some of this equipment? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, from every investigation that we've done, at least one thing goes off. Um, I can say that especially because Rick also has this Medusa head. It's this, you know, snake lady with snake lady hair. That thing goes off a lot. Um, we also have, um, you know, an Annabelle REM pod, which basically, you know, from the uh, Annabelle movies, it's like a replica of her. So every single piece of equipment, um, at least that we've had in our inventory, is everything has gone off at least one time in different uh, rooms that we've been in, different places. So I could definitely validate that 
a lot of the equipment that we have, usually we spread it out over, um, if we have run mansions or if we're in, you know, little ships that we're going to be a ship, a ship on a Friday, usually we'll spread it out all over the uh, venue. And then a lot of times when we're not in these rooms, our security cameras, we have a four camera uh, DVR system. Um, if we're not in a room, the, cam the DVR system will sometimes pick up on things too. Uh, Joshua, do you do you guys ever go to like paranormal gatherings or conventions or get-togethers or anything like that? Oh yes, absolutely. We actually were just at um, in Media, Pennsylvania, out here a little bit out about thirty minutes outside of Philadelphia. We're at Fright Fest, which is like you know for a big um, for horror movie authority enthusiasts. Uh, I've heard of that one, Fright Fest. Yeah, really awesome. We uh, set up a vendor table and we got to meet a lot of great like-minded people and uh, it was a lot of fun. And also we were just um, invited to attend a Themenology 2023 out in Gettysburg with uh, Stephen and Pam uh, Barry, um, Dave Schrader and Shane Pittman from the Holzer Files are there a lot um, to set up a vendor table and basically so we're already starting to get our name out there, um, you know, setting up a vendor table, communicating with like-minded people. and. I've also been to the Penhurst Convention out here in Spring City, Pennsylvania, and also Para Unity, which is up in the upper part of New Jersey at Railside Hoboken, where Mike Marshall, like the owner of Dark Matter Digital Network, lives. Um, so basically, I've been to a lot of the conventions in my area that are within like two-hour drive. Did you do anything fun or interesting for Halloween? Um, actually, no. Not, yeah, actually, we did have some pretty fun things uh, that we did for Halloween. Actually, we did a really fun little, um, like a raffle recently on Halloween day. And, you know, basically try to give out a couple pieces of equipment. So what we did, we just, you know, basically drew, drew some people's names and, you know, basically gave them some like little, like, you know, um, REM pod ghosts and stuff like that. So that was really fun. So we uh, really are into this field and we're very passionate about helping our clients. We want every client that, does, that we do an investigation with um, to feel comfortable and feel um, very much that they can trust us. And that's why I'm really excited about the launch of paranormalsocieties.org. It's my friend Josh Vanderwedding's website. He was a friend of Bill Wilk. Um, Bill um, created a website in 2007 called paranormalsocieties.com. And Bill actually, no one's heard from him since June of 2020. He's like disappeared. So um, Josh just created this new paranormal directory for teams and different businesses to submit their info into the directory. And the great thing about the directory is once we're in there, um, people that have cases will be able to submit it to the directory. And then the uh, person who runs the, the website, Josh, will refer those uh, cases to his clients that submit them to us. That's going to bring us more investigations, more traffic. And we got um, the Lightship Overfalls this Friday. Um, which is going to be really awesome. There's only about five or six uh, light ships left. It's like a lighthouse on a ship um, in the United States, and we're going to be doing a parallel investigation there from 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock, and we're going to be one of the few teams that have ever done investigation there. You said it's a ship? Yep, it's called the Lightship Overfalls. It's in southern Delaware, in, in Lewis, which is right by the beach area, like Rehoboth and that area, and it's a really amazing location. Um, it was basically, it was built in 1938, decommissioned in 72. 
So if someone um, needed, like, a, if a ship needed to find land, these light ships would basically act as a, it's like a movable lighthouse on water. So it's going to be really cool. Yeah, that sounds like a good one. Absolutely. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We've also been to mansions. We've done, uh, we've been to the Betsy Ross house in Philadelphia, um, captured um, some growls um, on our website, phantomdetectives.org. We also had, we're at the Mill of Anselma, which is really amazing. That night that my former lead investigator and I were there, she's since left the team and started her career. But that night, we had, we caught a door flying open on its own. And the security camera picked it up, and that thing was latched shut. There was no way you would have to push it up physically like this. And there was no rain, there was no uh, thunder, there was no, it wasn't like, you know, there's nothing that I, I could explain how that happened. But it's on our YouTube channel, Phantom Detectives LLC, and it's under like short clips. And you can see that thing just fold up and latch up and fly. And we also captured a rope swinging up by its own as well that night. So we've been to a lot of places and we're very experienced. We have over like these. 15 years experience combined in the field. Have you ever got into this stuff about dolls moving around? Not yet per se, but I have, you know, of course watched the Annabelle movies. I've heard uh, a lot of different people in the field that have had um, haunted dolls. And uh, I know that people have, you know, seen like, you know, different kinds of dolls that have been known to move, their eyes going to light up. Sometimes they, you know, wake at night and basically frighten kids and different people. So I have not had that happen yet personally myself, but, you know, in the future, on a future investigation that we do, as we continue to grow and get bigger, I definitely feel, um, you know, we might, we may run across the case that we have to, that, that involves a haunted dough in the future. Don't you get the creeps dealing with this stuff? Like haven't, how do you deal with all the fear? I mean, I would be, I'd, I'd have a hard time doing it because I would be kind of afraid. How do you deal with those emotions? I think dealing with those emotions, you have to kind of keep yourself in check. You have to be calm, cool, and collected. It requires a lot of patience because um, setting up equipment and then breaking it down at night and then, you know, going to and from these locations, you know, there's gas involved and the wear and tear and such. But you just have to be very kind of patient because going through, like, watching hours of security cameras is not very fun. But the reward is when you get something like a door flying open on its swing it open by its own, or a really cool, you know, you see a full body apparition on, you know, your thermal camera, or pick up a rare EVP, or you see a piece of equipment going off when no one's in the room. You know, that to me is the greatest reward, knowing that there that these spirits are haunting these locations. They have a story to tell, and they want to reveal themselves to us. Um, we don't get rid of spirits. That's something that um, trained demonologists do in the field, such as Dave Giuliano, Billy Bean, um, you know, basically Father Jack Ashcraft, who was a good friend of Father Malik Martins. So basically, we're, you know, I believe that all these, you know, you just have to have, you know, basically patience and you have to have um, basically just a, you know, a common demeanor. And when you have those things like we do, we always, do we always do really good so it's it's very natural to us but sometimes these investigations will suck the life out of you um there was this guy's apartment in philadelphia who um basically which is really crazy was he had some markings that like that were almost like a, of a ufo abduction then he also um had basically shared us like some you know apparitions of like you know alien spirits in this apartment and we went in there we felt very nauseated um and there was also when we scanned the ghost box Basically, using the PSV-7, we picked up uh, something called the potty mouse sphere. We heard these curse words coming out of the spirit box. 
and then basically we found out there was also a, uh, a 19 year old kid that took his life in this apartment sometime probably back during the 1990s according to our research and then you know all this stuff that happens these investigations sometimes you'll feel like the wind was knocked right out of you and then when you get home you're feeling like you're sick for days so there's a lot um that goes on to these locations and also um on some of our investigations our team members reported having a heaviness like in their chest like you know a lot of pressure like someone's just pushing down on it um you know so it can be very very dangerous you just have to basically be prepared for everything and we always encourage um every paranormal investigation team throughout the world uh to you know um, make sure to pour holy water on yourself um make sure to you know burn sage if you have to do any kind of cleansings say you know the lord's prayer or saint michael's or the more prepared that you can be spiritually the better you can handle these investigations that sounds like good advice to me i mean me personally i burn a lot of sage I definitely noticed that I feel a little bit more positive and up after I burned some of it. Any theories on why that works or what that does? I think it's it's been passed down from the Native Americans over the last 200 years. It's been a ritual that they have done because, you know, the spirits and belief in ghosts have been, um, even the Bible mentions about, you know, spirits and ghosts and how to deal with them. So Native Americans have, you know, rituals that I believe work that have been passed down from generation to generation so if you can you apply these uh you know you know techniques that you've learned and basically a lot of them are also trained with white light and you know positive healing um things i think that sage can basically what it does is it basically lets the spirit know that hey you're not wanted here if it's a demon or a poltergeist and it lets them know hey you've got to get out and basically go to where you're where you came from so basically a lot of times you know um, burning sage it kind of creates a positive aura we all have auras around us and you know um basically so we can basically you know burn sage in different parts of the house and use smudge sticks you're going to get um sometimes you either can get rid of the ghost or you might be able to basically not quite um banish it but basically you might be able to uh, take care of it for a time before it comes back again so the best thing you can do is just using smudge sticks and burning sages one of the best techniques that you can do in cleansing a property and it's been it's been it's worked for hundreds of years what about ritual magic? Do you believe in it, and is it dangerous? Can it bring spirits into the home and make your house haunted? I believe tarot cards, Ouija boards, anything that deals with the occult is very dangerous for every person that uses stuff like that, that does seances and you know stuff like that. Because I believe what, what happens is is you're basically you know making you know, opening up a portal of spirits that you don't want to end up um, basically you know. You know, basically, spirits all can go through different portals and can shift and travel on command. So, basically, when you, um, for all these different things like, you know, tarot cards and all that, it's very, very dangerous. And we, we encourage nobody to um, get involved in any kind of occult activities because you're going to be letting in, you know, Pandora's box when it comes to um, negative entities. Because once they attach themselves to you, it's hard to get rid of them. Um, I've noticed that on quite a few of our cases, basically, people, you know, seeing, you know, a haunting and you know, you know, watching ghost hunters and seeing some of their cases. And, you know, of course, um, my longtime friend, Katrina Weidman, who I know personally, um, you know, she can tell you firsthand that basically getting involved in, you know, these occult activities is, is opening up a, a door that basically you can't close. Have you uh, run into any, any, I'm sorry, have you run into any shadow beings? Shadow beings? Shadow people? Not yet. 
Um, I'm gonna say we've had like I've seen shadows at like Penhurst, and Penhurst is a pretty amazing location itself. It was um, actually built in 1908. It was closed in 1987. It's an insane asylum for uh, special needs people, and it was what at one time one of the um, um, top buildings in Pennsylvania. Um, you know, basically. So this uh, location actually, I've actually captured shadows in the Mayflower building, which is one of the main buildings. People, uh, paranormal investigations uh, is open to the public to do um, public investigations every Saturday and Sunday at Penhurst. And also we've captured shadows. Um, it's kind of really weird in the bottom of the Philadelphia building where there's this long tunnel. And I actually captured at least three or four uh, shadows of children running by. Mm. And I have no explanation how that happened. And it's just like, yeah that is creepy for sure i mean uh that's got to be a ghost right like that's got to be some remnants of a child or something like that i mean that's that's some trippy stuff i mean it's kind of freaky but uh it's good evidence isn't it oh absolutely it is and especially a lot of times especially at penverse it's very like you know the halls and sometimes you'll hear, like, I swore I heard, like, the children laughing, like, running down these halls. So, Penhurst has a lot of children, and there's a lot of special needs children that were, that died on the property. So, that energy is still there. Much like if you go out to Gettysburg, which is, um, you know, right out, like, two hours from the west, in west, western Pennsylvania, in central, uh, south-central Pennsylvania, 60,000 people lost their lives there. So that energy is still there. It's more of a residual haunting, which is like a tape recorder that, that plays itself over and over. But Gettysburg is going to be one of those haunted places at all. So I definitely feel that these spirits are haunting. Pennsylvania is one of the best places to go for uh, para-investigating. Do you think that's why? Because of the battles that happen or maybe the Native Americans that live there? Any theories on that? Oh, yeah. In Pennsylvania, there's a lot of Native American burial mounds in different parts of the state. Um, I can also confirm, like, you know, this is where the country started. I mean, everybody and everybody and anybody lived in Philadelphia in the 1700s. This is where America was founded. I mean, our first constitutional convention in 1787, the Declaration of Independence was signed at Independence Hall in 1776. We've had the Battle of Gettysburg. I mean, we have Fort Mifflin, Fort Delaware. I mean, there's so much out here, and it's really amazing. It's uh, probably the best place in the country to do uh, para-investigating. I think we're in the best state of all. Do you feel that spirits are more likely to come out on certain dates, like a full moon or Halloween or when the stars are right or the energy is right? Oh, I think so. Um, a lot of times, we like to call it dead time, which is basically, you know, usually we do investigations from like 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and go sometimes to 12 sometimes 2 a.m. I've noticed a lot of times they're more likely going to come out and show themselves at night versus during the day because factor in basically you have a lot of people around. Most likely, like like it's funny, on these public investigations, we'll see a lot of people that are trying to use an EMF and they're trying to you know, pick up a, a sp EMF spike. But then when you, if you if you go to an unoccupied room, you'll get higher EMF spikes in that unoccupied room versus the room where the, uh, the people are. So a lot of times... It just comes down to basically, I think usually at night is when spirits are most active because that's when people have a lot of reports of seeing things and hearing things. You know, um, they tend to be more active during the night than they are during the day. But, you know, they are also active during the day. It just depends on the location, what happened there, you know, who, what, when, where, why, and how. And, you know, 
basically sometimes people report seeing poltergeist throwing things, you know, up in Washington, Keith Linder's case with the Buffalo Hell House and levitating plants, you know, that happened during the day. But then we went to bed at night, we started hearing footsteps and, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, Do you mean Washington just, State, like my Washington? Yes, yes. He, oh, my he, God. He, he is, I would highly recommend getting him on the show because he has an amazing story about the Buffalo Hell House. And he did um, a couple of interviews with Heather Wade from Kingdom of Nye um, about this subject. Oh, my God. I go to Bothell sometimes. I didn't know there was a hell house there. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to Absolutely. look into that. <laughs> Definitely. Keith Linder's a great guest on it and a uh, very good friend of ours. And he was also on Ghost Adventures um, with Dave Schrader, you know, years back on that case. So it was pretty amazing stuff. So there's a lot going on in these old buildings, especially cemeteries, um, old ships, you know, old museums. I mean, it. You know, there's so you, all you gotta do is just look up like you know, just type in like haunted like just go to like a, a directory and like look up your state and you'll find like like weird Pennsylvania, weird Washington. It'll tell you all this stuff. You know. Yeah, I was just about to ask about cemeteries. It seems like people just tend to see a lot of things in cemeteries. Like I don't know if it's the spirits themselves hanging out with their bodies or there's some kind of like energy parasitism or. Something demonic going on there, but it, it seems like cemeteries are a hot spot. Oh, absolutely. Factor in basically, there's probably dozens of dozens of people that have passed away. I mean, factor on like I we try to avoid cemeteries ourselves because we feel walking on the dead is disrespecting those who have passed away. Um, we try to usually avoid, you know, unless I have to go to a funeral or something. You know, I try to avoid stepping on other people because it's a sign of disrespect and. We definitely feel there's still spirits in these um, cemeteries still not at rest, depending on how they died. Did they die tragically or did they die, um, you know, basically, you know, it's, they might have some story to tell. Is there unfinished business while they're there? You know, a lot of times in cemeteries, you know, you'll sometimes like people report seeing like sitting on like a, a stone and all of a sudden feeling like, you know, being pushed off like that. So it really, um, it's, you know, it depends on the uh, type of energy there and the history of the cemetery. I mean, there's a lot going on in these old cemeteries. And some of them date back to the, even before the founding of the country, 1700s, 1600s. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, the, the thing about uh, places like this, it's just, it's so terrifying for me. <laughs> I, but I kind of want to go on one of these one of these days. What? What's a good way for someone like myself to break into the ghost hunting or uh, paranormal investigation on location, the the world that you're in? What what could a common person do to kind of break into it? Our best advice is for people that are interested in starting out in this field or just learning about the equipment. A lot of times there'll be, uh, you know, sometimes teams in your area, you can look up like, you know, Washington paranormal teams and sometimes local teams host public investigations and you can go out and meet some of these teams and learn how to sometimes they'll bring some of their equipment uh, out to the investigations. So you can sometimes they'll, they'll do lectures like we do and we do lectures at libraries and you know public speaking sessions. So a lot of times you can just go out and uh, find you know locations that are going to be haunted in your state. And then see if they um, allow, you know, if they do par public paranormal investigations. And there you can kind of get your foot uh, on the ground running and learn, um, you know, train with some of the teams that are running some of these events up in your area. And I'm sure a lot of them will be willing to teach. Uh, that's how I learned. I first got my start is by going to attending public paranormal investigations um, 
at different places near me. And I've met a lot of people that have influenced me to start my own team. And that's what happened. And then all of a sudden, Fans of Texas was born from basically doing exactly what I'm doing. You know, get, you know go to the conventions, meet um, you know, people at the different conventions, uh, go to the public investigations, um, read books on the subject, and just uh, search and like for search like for Facebook groups and social media pages and all that. So there's a lot of uh, literature out there and for people that are interested in this field that they can get started right in their own state. Well, I find places like Gettysburg to be really interesting because uh, it, it it kind of brings up the question of why, like why certain places get haunted. Um, it, it, what do you think about that? Is it unresolved issues that somebody might have? Um, are are some places just more likely because of uh, d- uh, dead bodies, like a cemetery? Why do you suppose some places are just so heavily haunted, and and some places just seem to have a more cleaner energy? I think it's based upon all in the past events. Um, you know, especially like a place like Gettysburg. Uh, I know Mark Nesbitt, who is actually the tour guide out there. And he has collected dozens of eyewitness accounts of people seeing regiments, uh, you know, and then they go to the regiments, you know, regiments of, you know, of troops, actually Union Confederate troops walking down and marching on the battlefield. But then when these people go back and say, hey, thank you for the wonderful demonstration. And then basically they go to the office. Oh, we didn't have a, a marching soldiers on that on that particular day or people seeing, um, you know, basically hearing, you know, unions cannons going off in Gettysburg. A lot of these locations, it's all based upon pretty much what happened in the past. That that kind of determines what uh, you know, what kind of energy is at these locations. Like, was there like you know a ritual done that could have caused you know negative you know negative attachment with someone getting with summoning you know doing Ouija board stuff and seances, like like the Winchester House, like you know that story with Sarah Winchester. Um, and then basically, of course, it all depends on what happened in the past as it sets the foundation for the future and the present. So basically, that's how we've noticed on, you know, basically our research at every uh, place and has a history to tell. And the past events kind of shape up exactly what happened. So if something tragic happened and, you know, a spirit might be stuck between heaven and hell, they don't know where they're supposed to be at. And sometimes they need to be brought back to the light or brought back to where they came from. So these spirits are still have unfinished business here, and it all depends on the past events because those past events determine the future. Yeah, that's that definitely that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, Joshua, what would you say is your all-time most frightening or scary experience or thing that you've picked up or seen out out in the field or in your personal life or ever? I want to say. Out of every case that we have done, because we've done so many cases over the years, uh, we were um, at a location called Bo- uh, Boobies Brewery, B-U-B-E-S, which is in Mountjoy, Pennsylvania. Like, you know, boobies. You know, but then like, um, it's, <laughs> uh, basically what the really funny thing about that investigation was we actually have a tripwire EMF. It's a, long, like a string of Christmas lights with multiple EMF sensors on it. And that night that we were there, we captured three uh, – a full body, uh, three full body apparitions on a thermal camera, and then literally right after we did that, like right in the bar area, the all the uh, lights started going off like crazy, and then Rick and Melissa started feeling heaviness on their chest. So the brewery is still very haunted, it's one of the most haunted locations in uh, Pennsylvania. And then of course when we did 
the Selma Mansion, which is based in, in right outside King of Prussia in Norristown, we were, uh, Rick and Melissa were upstairs and all the equipment was going off like crazy. And there was all these like, you know, dolls and stuff. And we did not even try to dare. And what's funny thing is one of our guest investigators, husbands had arrived to pick up his wife and he reported seeing, Hey, did you guys, uh, see, um, you know, that, that brown haired gentleman up there, was that one of you guys? And we're like, no, we weren't even on that floor. And there was equipment going off up there like crazy. So the Selma mansion, and Melissa was also picking up a connection. She says, Lincoln, Lincoln. I'm picking up a connection to Lincoln. And then when I go back and check the history, I find out that General Andrew Porter, who created the house in 1794, he fought in the American Revolution under General Washington, actually was the great-grandfather of Mary Todd Lincoln, President Lincoln's wife. So that was one of the most uh, wildest investigations that we've ever had. And it continues um, that I still have a lot of memories of that place to this day. Can you tell us about the world's largest ghost hunt? Yes. The world's largest ghost hunt is an event that was created by Maria Schmidt and Brian J. Cano. Uh, Brian J. Cano uh, was on The Haunted Collector with John Zappas. He was the tech manager on that show and John Zappas, of course, is the nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren, the famous demonologist uh, based out of Connecticut. They created Nesper. I'm not exactly sure how you spell it. But oh, cool. um, the, the Maria Schmidt and Brian wanted to bring para-unity to the world. So they created this event where 100 plus teams from around the world at once via live stream, uh, basically. And the idea was to bring para-unity. So all these you know, haunted historical locations and everyone in different time zones together as one one night, one time, every, the fourth uh, weekend in September. And we've done the last two World's Largest Ghost Hunts. And the night that we were doing the World's Largest Ghost Hunt 2021, we were at the Sanderson Museum, which is this old, uh, basically, museum in Chadsford, Pennsylvania. And it was actually founded in 1967 by Andrew Wyatt. And there, we, have one, we all went downstairs to basically you know, change out some of our equipment and get some different apparatuses. And that night, Rick and Melissa went downstairs in one of the uh, stairs, and literally all the, all the bags, our equipment bags, are piled up like this, like literally like this. And we asked, uh, they asked us, my former team member and I, hey, did you guys pile up those equipment bags and, and block us from leaving the place? And we're like, no, we weren't even on that floor at that time. So basically, those equipment bags, and then when we went back and we asked an EVP, are you trying to move our equipment bags and trying to block us from leaving? We picked up this uh, basically voice on the uh, EVP that said, be afraid, you know, be afraid. So that to me shows that this was the spirit of Helen Sanderson, who actually died in the house in the 1940s. She uh, actually had tuberculosis. So she uh, passed away around 1946, 47, according to my history, knowledge of the property. So definitely these uh, locations are just all amazing. And um, what's amazing is basically the most active room in this museum is in the uh, violin room. And there, like when we started using playing square dancing music, the activity started ramping up like crazy. So um, when we did World's Largest Ghost Hunt 2022, unfortunately, um, Maria wasn't involved this year. So basically, uh, we tried to use, they changed um, from StreamYard. We were using StreamYard last year, which was so easy to use. But then they changed the streaming software on us, and we couldn't log in, unfortunately. But at Poplar Hill Mansion, 
which is in Salisbury, Maryland, we did, uh, we still recorded the investigation and put it on Second Team Entertainment. We actually captured a thermal image of a lady, of, of a servant lady who died in the house up in the daughter's bedroom and poplar of a full body apparition of this lady. And basically, it's right on our website, familiesdetectives.org, under Investigation 12. So that to me is pretty wild stuff. So world's largest ghost hunt is hopefully Maury will be back next year because she's really good at planning the event. And you can just go to largestghosthunt.com and read all the information as it relates to the event, um, when, you know, how to register and all that. I'm looking at your website right now. It looks like we can actually go back and look through all of your past investigations. Yes. Yep. And all the evidence that we've captured um, up on that, we, all of our, actually, we've been on the cover of Paranormal Underground magazine. We've been in Phenomena magazine in the UK. We've been in Fate magazine. Uh, basically, we've also been in uh, American Paranormal magazine. We're also, we've been in, uh, we're going to be on the cover of Haunted magazine next year. Uh, we're also going to be on the cover of, you know, basically Paranormality magazine. We've also been on um, the news before. So all of our magazine covers are always going to be, um, we're going to constantly be updating our website every month and adding more and more content to it. And we also have a press and media page that we just developed where people can read, all, see all the radio shows we've been on. Um, they can also see like where we're going to be at if we're doing a lecture at a certain location and all that. We've been on the news and everything too. So this uh, website is going to be constantly uh, built for expansion. Looks like you're putting some articles up there as well. Yes, we are. And what we want to do is when our clients go to our website, uh, we have a Discord server, much like you, and where people can go and talk to us live uh, if they have a case. And we also have now domain emails. So basically, anybody that needs to get a hold of me, my email is director at phantomdetectives.org. At the bottom, you can also log into Discord and click the green check mark near the ME6 box in the rules channel to get a hold of us. But uh, we have uh, basically a lot of things on that website. So we want to be able to make sure, explain like the four types of hauntings, what uh, what people can do. You know, I'm also going to release a new article on orbs in the near future on the website. So I want to make it easy as possible for everyone to have as much information on what we do and how, how we prepare our paranormal investigation versus other teams. And I think we're, we're one of the fastest growing teams in the state. Can you tell us about the Summer Wind Restoration Society? Yes. So the Summer Wind restoration society was a project that craig mary and i uh he lives in wisconsin uh basically we founded that in 2014 and i bought the original blueprints from the brother of ginger hinshaw basically in 2014 so the idea was to restore and rebuild a relaunch summer wind as a haunted bed and breakfast at one time on a news feed on youtube i basically uh craig said hey i know the owners call me and when i told him i had the blueprints we decided to, um, you know, hey, no one's ever rebuilt a haunted house before. So we created the Summer Wind Restoration Society. Um, so the history of the place is pretty amazing itself. It was built in 1914 as West Bay Lake Fishing Lodge by a man named John Frank, who lived in Akron, Ohio. But then he sold it two years later to um, future U.S. Secretary of Commerce, uh, Herbert Hoover. And there, Mr. Hoover um, and his basically had servants tell him, hey, the house is basically haunted, and he tells them, hey, grow up. But then when he had his own paranormal experience, they had, there was an episode called A Haunting of Summerwind, Season 1, Episode 2 on Discovery Channel. You can still see it from 2005. 
and there, basically, Mr. Lamont and his wife were eating dessert one day, and the, and the, and the basement door flew open, revealing the ghostly form of Manny. You know, took his black powder pistol, fired two shots, missing the ghost, and then, uh, basically, the bullet holes were still in the door. Um, you know, 40 years later. So when Miss Keeper, when Mr. Lamont died in 1948, the property went to Miss Keeper, and Miss Keeper actually, you know, had people over the next 20 years. You know, it went back to her, went back to her. But then when the, the Von Bober family, the Hinshaw family moved in, I know the Hinshaw family personally. I'm friends with them. And basically, uh, when Ginger, her family moved in, they had to have this place. But then they had to resort to nailing all the windows shut because the windows would fly open on their own. Oh, my God. <laughs> there, there was also reports of a you know, car catching on fire. Um, workers would be, you know, working on things like, you know, trying to fix this and, you know, tighten this, you know, and then all of a sudden the tools would disappear. Um, and also what happened was, you know, the stepdad went, according to the story, um, you know, the stepdad played, played the organ at all hours of the night and went crazy. And then, you know, um, basically then, you know, he was committed to a mental institution up in Canada. The last time I heard from his real name was Jim Hill. And then, of course, uh, Wolfgang von Bober. Uh, Ginger's father bought it, thought he could make it go to the place again. He ran the same problem the Hinshaws did, you know, from 73 to 79. They tried to turn into a bed and breakfast, but, you know, they ran the same kind of, you know, also summer when there was known as shape change. And there was actually reports of this, like, they would measure rooms, like, you know, from, from the tape measure, you know, from the original blueprints. And they noticed the uh, rooms would change shape, which is pretty wild. That's a trip. Um, that is a trip. <laughs> and then, absolutely. And then when Miss Keeper died in 1985, the property was uh, then purchased by a couple from across Wisconsin by the name of Harold and Badge Tracy. Um, Craig knows the owners personally. His website is FB, B as in Victor, ghosthunters.com. And he's been knowing the owners like, since like literally like the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And he, and he hosts public investigations on the Summerwind property. Um, you can also go to the Restoration Society group, which is Summerwind Haunted Mansion on Facebook. And there they you know, do all their events there. And uh, when Mr. and Ms. Tracy bought the property in 85 from the estate of Lillian Keeper, they reported walking up to the driveway one night and they felt the mansion was like inhaling. But then, uh, unfortunately, two years later, the place burnt down in 1988. And that's where basically, unfortunately, it was leveled by lightning and fire. Um, but actually, there was a neighbor at Summerwind, uh, basically back when the place burnt down on Father's Day of 1988, and he came forward with new information about what happened that day, that the township was tired of people walking and trespassing on the property. So basically, they got tired of all the vandalizing. So um, supposedly, the uh, fire marshal in 1988 told uh, this uh, neighbor, basically, hey, the town's going to be there on site, not to worry. So according to this neighbor, he saw the township basically spread out bales of hay and then basically just burn it. And it just leveled it like a domino effect, just boom, went down. So all that remains today of someone are the two tall chimneys, the foundation around, you know, around the property. And there's arches that are still on the property um, itself. So that's all that remains of someone today. But we have the original blueprint, so we can rebuild it. We just need to come up with five to seven hundred thousand dollars to basically rebuild the uh, mansion. And that money, uh, these days, it's hard to come by. But if we can, we can relaunch this as like basically a haunted uh, mansion, a haunted museum, and a haunted bed and breakfast, which I think would be so cool. It would rival Zach Baggins' haunted museum and possibly be even better. Yeah, I would love to see something like that come together. That'd be pretty pretty cool. It could be like an epicenter for people interested in this type of stuff. 
Exactly. And what's awesome is we can also open it up. It can be, you know, used as a museum, you know, for the historical, you know, because it was U.S. Secretary of Commerce's house. But also it can be used for paranormal investigations on the weekend. So that will be up to Craig, of course, and the owners that would do that. But I think this idea, um, we were trying to get the project on Travel Channel a couple of years ago. But unfortunately, when it was uh, during the pandemic, uh, when the pandemic was going on, COVID was raging, they weren't doing nothing with it because there, there were budget cuts. So unfortunately, the project didn't make it to Travel Channel. But I have the trailer of um, that, and I can send it to you over um, LinkedIn or email to you, like uh, what um, what we're trying to do with it. So we um, are hoping to be able to eventually air this, uh, you know, make a new updated version of the Summerwind story on uh, basically on Paraflix or Second Team Entertainment. We just got to record the segments, and then what we'll do is basically air it. And hopefully, that can come. Uh, an investor can come forward, you know, drop the money down, and you know, run the uh, run whatever business they want on the property, and. Basically, hopefully, uh, it'll be a positive thing. I think if someone rebuilt, people won't have to trespass on the property anymore. Yeah, um, I, it seems to me like a lot of people that you know are more casuals to this field. They they watch the Travel Channel. It seems to have a lot of reach. Is there any plans to work with them in the future? Have you been on there? Not yet, per se. Uh, but I am definitely open to going there. You know, right now we're starting off on Second Team Entertainment, which is great, and I hopefully this network will grow and take off. But I know all the guys on Ghost Hunters. I see them a lot at the conventions. I um I always uh, I'm hoping eventually to work up to Discovery Plus. That is our end goal. Was I would love within the next two or three years to be uh, having our streaming content, our investigations over there, and also move our TV show. So that's very definitely one of our goals. So we just got to start off where we're at right now, build that base there. Eventually, as when time goes on and we have to move up to the next level, that's what we're going to do. So I think we're off to a great start. We've only been together for about two years, but this society is definitely gaining a lot of traction. There's a lot of people that are really amazed at how much progress we've made in only two years. And, you know, from, from the Discord server to, you know, acquiring Dark Matter News to the four websites that we have on our team to you know all the other things going on it's just amazing to see how you know something that you're passionate about and you put the work into it starts blossoming it starts growing and it's it's definitely getting out of its infancy now we're, now we're finally recognized people are starting to know who we are i've had people in the store say hey i heard you, i've seen you guys on your roku and fire tv as fan of the, the fan of detectives so it's always so cool to see when people greet you and know you by name from from a tv show that we've done so the plans are in working with Discovery Channel are definitely are, are in our, our rear view mirror. Are you into scary movies at all, or do you feel like they kind of give your field of work a bad name? How do you feel about them in general? Are there any that you feel are do, actually do a good job of showing what goes on out there? I think so. I think a lot of these uh, scary movies, I think they're great because, you know, it, I, I think that sometimes they have um, sometimes created a wrong kind of message. But overall, for me, I think horror movies are great because basically, you know, they kind of they kind of give a different perspective, you know, of, of life and, you know, basically how things are perceived, you know, by people. I think sometimes it's good to change it up from comedies to, you know, dramas. So I think that, you know, especially doing what we do, we're kind of like, you know, you know, kind of semi horror because we do like, you know, stuff like what we do, and, um, you know, basically, it's it's been a field that's been 
there have been like there's been the Jason movies, the Freddy movies, the Chucky movies since the eighties. It's been it's been going on a long time, and I don't expect it to ever change. Rob Zombie, the, the famous musician's done horror movies, so you know I expect this to continue to go on and on, and I don't see a problem with it as long as kids don't you know start going crazy and you know doing like imitating what they see in these movies. I don't have a problem, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of feel the same way about it. I mean, it, it definitely lends to the suspense that you know makes people interested in in what you, know, you, you what you yourself do. So uh, I think that there's definitely you know that interest, especially around Halloween time. I think people really oh, yeah. start thinking about this stuff. Oh, absolutely, and that's when our busiest time is. And we've got two investigations this month, and then we're going to take it easy. And next year, we're also filming a documentary. Uh, we're going to be interviewing top authorities in the field, and we're going to produce it ourselves. We're going to edit the video, so we'll keep you updated, and we'll get you a link when it, it's released. We're going to be filming. We're going to be taking a couple months off to work on this documentary, and it's going to be about how to approach a, a paranormal investigation, where we interview different authorities in the field, and then want to package it together and video edit it and put it out, uh, possibly on Discovery or maybe even uh, Rick is really great. Um, like, you know, he's a director. He very much has a director's mindset because he's worked in the film business out in California for many years. So he's very comfortable with working with people and he knows how to bring out all of our personalities. So um, I'm really excited. So hopefully we can get Zach Baggins involved and Jeff Bellinger and Katrina Wyden and different people in the UFO field like Linda Moulton Howell, you know, and everyone else. It'll be a lot of fun. So we'll keep you updated when it's released sometime next summer. Okay, excellent. And um, that does bring us to the end of our interview. But what I always like to do is just open things up. Joshua, if you want to jump back up on the soapbox one more time, tell my audience out there whatever you would like to say to them. If you want to give them advice, if you want to just give a speech on anything. And please feel free to follow that up with anything at all that you would like to promote, uh, anything you'd like to plug, anything that you have upcoming any any final words now is your chance joshua go now yes so we can be reached on uh we have actually five websites our first website is phantom p-h-a-n-t-o and phantomdetectives.org is our team website uh to reach rick our lead investigator director of client relations and our uh basically tech manager he can be reached at erc erc the the new erc the numeral two explore.com so erc2explore.com he has a wonderful ufo website for everyone that loves ufos and flying saucers uh, melissa can be reached at psychic um, p-h-y-s-h-i-c so psychicmediumautumn.com for anybody that needs uh, readings done psychicmediumautumn.com uh, mark anthony the psychic lawyer or researcher he can be released, uh, basically, he can be reached at uh, afterlifefrequency.com. So that's the word afterlifefrequency, all one word, dot com. And, of course, Dark Matter News. We can be reached at darkmatternews.com. And my, uh, basically, you know, for people that my best advice that are in the field is stay vigilant. Like, you know, pay attention to everything that's going on with us. And, you know, pay attention to every single thing that's going on. The field is going to be constantly be evolving. And I expect, you know, this field to really get bigger and bigger over the next couple of years. And always just, if you guys ever feel that you're, um, you know, need a, a team that basically, you know, that, that's in your area, that we can't get to it. We have plenty of teams around the country that are willing to help. We are very dedicated to our clients and we will find you a team in your area that can give you a home or business. So um, once paranormalsocieties.org 
is set up, um, everyone will be able to go into the directory and find their voices. We want the best for all of our um, people. We're going to treat every one of our fans and our support with kindness and respect. And we believe that this is going to be the best. Uh, we're going to be one of the best teams in the field for the next three or four years. And I'm, and I'm very excited to have interviewed you, Damon. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. I had a lot of fun as well. And I definitely would like to stay caught up with you and what you have going on and bring you back on the program to get updates from Phantom Detectives. Oh, absolutely. And next time, maybe what we can do is we can do it with Rick and Melissa and we can um, bring them on. Um, you know, they said that'll be a lot of fun. So we'll find a date and we'll make it happen. And that'll be great because they can add in their perspectives to our paranormal investigations. And I think, I think they'll add a lot more, you know, to what we already have. Yeah, let's do it. We can um, do it kind of like roundtable format and bring everybody up on camera. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds awesome. I really appreciate your time. It was great to interview with you, and I look forward to all your wonderful listeners. It was so great to finally uh, talk with all of them, and I'm really excited. Hopefully, we'll be back in the future. All right, excellent. Until then, good night, my friend. And there you have it. That was... Our new friend, Joshua Chairs, the founder of Phantom Detectives, up-and-coming hot investigation group into the paranormal. They've done plenty of work so far, and they have plenty of work to do in the future. And as we said during the interview, we will stay caught up with him and the rest of the team, too. Uh, let's go ahead and take a break. I do want to, you know, freshen up and whatnot. But when we come back, there's we're going to go right into our newsreel segment. Our I can't say daily news because we don't do a show every day. I can't say weekly news because, you know, yeah, you catch me sloughing so much. But I'd say, like, this is news for the month, right? I don't know. But we'll come back. We'll talk about current events. We'll shoot the shit. If anybody wants to jump up on here with me, if anybody wants to join in you're welcome to just go to the top of the stream on youtube and click on that join us live link and you can hop in with us and say what you got to say but i will be back very soon
Raising consciousness and awakening mankind. This is End of Days Radio. We are live! I just can't find it. You're not recording right now, are you? Yeah. We are
Welcome back to the end of days. Today's date, once again, is November 6, 2022. Wow. So, as you know, this is our, I don't know, our newsreel section, our town square, our roundtable wrap-up section. I constantly change the name. I constantly experiment and change things around. But you know what? That's okay. Because it always ends up being the same thing. Me sitting here talking about current events, giving my opinions, going on the occasional rant, and sometimes inviting one of you to join me in my madness. I had a good Halloween. I felt like that Halloween energy was finally back. I saw kids trick-or-treating for the first time in a long time. Saw some pretty good costumes out there. I saw some costumes. I didn't know what they were. I couldn't figure it out. Like I saw this one kid. He he was like this blue giant blueberry. And he had a light in there. And I don't know what he was supposed to be. I was thinking maybe he was the girl from Willy Wonka. But he's probably some new character from some cartoon. Or some show that young people like. That I've never heard of. Because that's literally out of how out of touch I am. I'm still back in the... Uh, late 90s and early 2000s. That's where my consciousness has landed, and that's where it probably will always be. I did see an interesting video on social media the other day. It was of this year's Commonwealth Games. No, Al, he he sent a message to the chat. He said Rukas Salt. I don't think it's Rukas Salt. It's the other girl. It's... um. Boy, I'm not sure what her name was, but I know Vruka was, she, she, her dad was Salt, the guy that worked for Nuts. And the Blueberry Girl was like, her dad was a car salesman. Something like that. Violet, her name was Violet. They go, Violet, you're turning Violet. But, hey, this thing I was seeing on social media, it was of the 2022 Commonwealth Games. And Prince Charles was there, of course. And the whole thing was obviously another one of these Illuminati rituals. They had this giant mechanical bull with all these crazy LED lights inside his eyes and his snout. And they were dancing around it. And it was it had all these chains coming out of the ring in its snout. And they had something that looked like the Tower of Babel. I invite you to go on, like go on Twitter or YouTube or wherever you can find this post at the 2022 Commonwealth Games. And and tell me that that's not some kind of a Illuminati ritual right there. If that doesn't symbolize Moloch or Ball or or one of those guys from Grub. Hey, boys, I'm on lunch at work. Shout out to Grub. Definitely going to have him on here soon for a full interview. He's, he's a very fascinating fellow. But yeah, um, you guys remember the tunnel opening? Remember that whole thing? That tunnel opening the the illuminati ritual well i actually bought a whole book on that i don't know where i put it it's on my bookshelf but uh this is well along the same vein this is very much as illuminati as you can imagine 2022 commonwealth games watch the ritual you know they're showing us things they're giving us messages they're uh all these things are magical rituals so we got to pay close attention to what these royal weirdos and these bankers 
and these aristocratic families are up to. You got to pay close attention to that. Uh, and in other news, Elon Musk has finally begun to take control of Twitter. He's taking control of it. It's a hostile takeover. He says he's getting rid of all the censorship. He's firing people. You're fired. And uh, it's it's chaos. What can I say? It's chaos. There's people complaining. Employees saying that they're homeless now. He's he's on Twitter every day trolling. He says he's going to get rid of all the celebrity check marks. Anybody's going to get one if they pay $8 a month. I'm going to get one if I pay $8 a month. So end of days radio is going to be verified. I've always thought Elon Musk was one of these like characters. Like he's not a real person. He's he's like a crisis actor or something like that. But I have to say I like these changes. I like them. I mean, if it, it whatever the theater or whatever the outcome, if it's benefiting me, and I feel like I have a little bit more leeway, even if it's only something I perceive and not real, then I'll take it. A lot of these people probably deserve to be fired. I mean, hey, why are they over-censoring people? Are they going to bring Trump back? Are they going to do that whole show again? It's going to be fun, regardless. Where is he going to take it all? Is this going to turn into, is this going to blend into the whole Neuralink thing? Have you looked that up, Neuralink, with Elon Musk? Or is it all going to go to the same place, like, we're going to have to have accept a chip in our forehead in order to be able to go on Twitter. Native Martians call themselves the Elon. That's from Al. Hmm, interesting. The Elon. Uh, wanted to talk a little bit about our Halloween, Halloween roundtable show. Great reception for that. A lot of people turned out. A lot of fans turned out. Great show. Fun time. Everybody had fun. Everybody liked it. There were some that were saying it was the best show ever, the best end of days radio episode ever. We had a surprise appearance from past co-host Michael Beacon. That was a big plus for many people that have been watching the show for years and years. And as for the format of the show, I'm just going to keep it. In flux, I mean, sometimes we'll do an interview. Sometimes we'll do a roundtable show. Sometimes we'll do this. Sometimes we'll do that. There's no rules. Why do I? Why should I play by any rules? Why do I need to do anything like that? I mean, hey, we'll do some interviews. We'll do another roundtable. It's, it's going to happen again. For those of you that wet your beak and really enjoyed that, we'll do it again. But I do want to take a moment to do our... Mind-blowing moment of the day. Uh, usually I have more instruments close. Ever since I moved, I've been really sticking with the egg. You know, as to not piss off the neighbors too much. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing moment of the day. Day. I'm going to say that it was when Joshua was telling us about capturing those little girl ghosts on camera. I've never been a big fan of little girl ghosts. Somehow they're scarier than adult ghosts. I don't know why. Like that girl from the ring. Ooh. Ooh. Why why is that scary? You would think a, a little kid would be the least scary thing imaginable, yet that whole thing. Ooh. 
I remember when I saw the ring, I was traumatized and creeped out for weeks. And that was the American version. I never even watched the Japanese version. I'm too scared to. I mean, if the American version did that to me, then what's the original going to do? No thanks. I'll skip it in this lifetime. Maybe in the next. I'll go back. I'm good. There are a lot of classic Halloween movies, though. I've been watching the new Interview with the Vampire. I think I talked about that last week. It's uh, it's different. It's not like I read the original book. I read like the first two, something like that, and I and I saw the original movie, and this is just very different, very different. They tackle more, more uh, racial issues and LGBT issues and things of that nature, things that weren't really on the plate when the original book or movie came out. And it's uh, it's bloody, it's violent, it's horrific. It's pretty good so far. I mean, I can't complain too much. It's if you're into vampires, you'll probably like it. Just clo- you might want to close your eyes during some of the lovemaking scenes. I can forewarn you about that. But it's a good watch. It's on uh, AMC. I think Sunday is at nine or ten, something like that. Check it out. Uh, they're saying now that vaccines are going to have to be yearly. That's actually been something that's been tossed around for a while now. So you got to, they're, they're conditioning everybody to get used to the idea of going in for a yearly shot. That seems to be one of the end goals that's clearing up for us that are keeping track of this whole thing. It seems they want to really condition us towards one year boosters something's got to happen on a yearly like they're probably going to put more and more weird nanobots in there and more dna altering gene genetic information and things of that nature that way they can tweak us along as they alter our dna and alter our race and guide us into the occult transhumanistic ltbj future of animal love and integration with the machine legal pedophilia you know that's one of their goals these sick bastards this is what they're ushering us into this is what they want they're laying it all out for us our occulted future our future of transhumanistic magical madness the forces of chaos unleashed and the false enlightenment of the masses it's all unfolding as we speak the Illuminati card game. It's coming true. Uh, moving on. So the Houston Astros won the World Series. Congrats to them. I heard people saying that they're cheaters. Um, you know, I, I'm new to getting back into baseball, so a lot of the stuff I'm still learning about, I find it fascinating. Um, I know they got some really great players. But they did win in 2017. It's kind of lame that they won again. That's the thing about baseball. No salary cap. The same teams win a lot. I'm hoping the Mariners, you know, they invest that cash and they make it happen. This year was fantastic. I mean, first playoff stretch in a long, long, very, very long time. That's hopeful. And the Seahawks won just now. So shout out to those Hawks. Those ball Hawks. Another win. 
another glorious performance by Geno Smith, the world's greatest underdog, underdog of the year, MVP, should be MVP. Uh, <laughs> man, you know, Halloween is so much fun. I feel like it's over too quick, but as I like to say, all year is Halloween for this show and for fans of the show who enjoy this content. Just It just goes on and on and on. And I've got some great stuff coming up. We're going to touch bases with General Lee, of course, from Subconscious Realms. Been trying to make that happen for a while. But, uh, you know, we had some uh, synchronistic types of things happen that prevented that from happening. But it was only so that we could build something even greater in the future. So we're probably going to have him on. Looks like we're scheduled for the 20th. So we're going to go ahead and bang that out on another Sunday, Sunday fun day. We'll see what we're going to do next week. We'll definitely have somebody on here. Uh, I'm just kind of keeping that slot open right now to build spontaneity and keep things fresh. No, it's just, it's just what's happening. But uh, good things ahead. Good things in the past. Check out our last two shows, those roundtable shows. So much fun. It's always good when I open this show up to you guys because everything just comes alive. And, you know, we find out what's going on out there in the end of day's world. I always hear the same thing. Like people say, Daniel, more people than you realize listen to this show. Like you don't even realize how many people this show reaches. And I love to hear stuff like that. I love to hear feedback about this show. I love to hear feedback about my work on social media. I love all this stuff. But I always I always want to take things to the next level, too. And um, I, I want to reach new heights, right? And to make that happen, I do need donations. Because the donations, they help me make ends meet. They help me keep the lights on. They help me afford equipment like this microphone. And the better I can do those things and the less pressure I have on me just to live my daily life, the more I can invest into this show. So thank you so much for everybody that's donated. And please, if you don't mind donating even $2, $5, $10, buy me a cup of coffee. It goes a long freaking way. And it just motivates the hell out of me to just keep doing this show. I mean, hey, if I can get a little help making ends meet, you'll always see me up here. You'll always hear me. And you will anyway, even if you don't donate or nobody donates. I'll still do it. But when you guys help me out like that, oh, my God, it just it means the world. It really does. It, it, it makes me so happy because I just look forward to that day where I could just live off of those donations to the show, you know, to get paid by the listeners. And I'd have to have a lot of listeners. I'd probably have to have like a million listeners, but you know what? We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll just chip away at it. Things don't happen all at once. They just, you know, they happen when they're supposed to happen. And I believe this is the time. This is the time to, really grab that mainstream attention, that mainstream appeal. This is the age of the podcast. I mean, old podcast killed the radio star. What can I say? This is our time. This is our time to move on it. 
and, and capture the flag. So please keep track of me on social media at Ninja Shoes on Twitter, End of Days Radio on Twitter, and either of those will work. Check me out on Twitter. Um, check me out on Facebook and Instagram. Join our Discord channel, TLB Talk, Getter, uh, Parlor. I'm still not on True Social. That's incoming. But um, I'll get definitely get on there. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on... What's that? You won't be able to live off of listeners. My ex had over 20,000 subs and barely made two to four in a monthly. That's from the bat bomb. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, um, I appreciate that feedback. That's a lot. That's 20,000 subs. And I, and I totally get that. So if you, if he had 40,000, he would make like six to 800. And if he had 80,000, he'd make like over a thousand. And if he had like hundreds of thousands, then he probably would be able to make a living. Right. And Batmom says, I'm just saying it's hard. No doubt, no doubt. I appreciate the feedback. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the realness. I appreciate the reality because that's the truth. And it, that is true. There's a lot of podcasts out there and there's a lot of competition. And to get up into the millions, you have to do something really special. You have to really capture people's attention and and, and be able to stand out and that's not easy but yeah that is the end goal that is the main goal to be able to push numbers like that and i'm willing to do what it takes i'm willing to you know do do whatever it takes to get where i want to go i totally believe in that manifesting and i you know even if i just get to that point where it's a little paycheck boy would that be nice I mean, that would pay my car insurance, or that would pay this or that, and it would be like a return on all the time invested. But like I said, I'll do it anyways, because this is what I like to do. I'm a big fan of that radio magic, and I'm a big fan of coming on here and interviewing some interesting people. I love I love uh, the fact that on the show, we tend to find guests in just the most like weird synchronistic magical ways like they all just kind of come from that in in network stuff like just people that i'm coming across or meeting on social media or people that email me or you know it's just like i don't ever have to go out seeking i always just find the right person magically and i love that but i'll leave you guys from now we'll be back next week we're not gonna take too many breaks here this is a new age this is the time for the show so if you like this show, hey, come on our live show, hop on, or just listen. Either way, you're good. But I will see you guys next week. Until then, you have a good night.